Hey guys, you're listening to another podcast from the Cloud Avengers portal. My name's Richard Morrell, joined by Reese Oxenham. This is the fourth podcast we've done together now. The last one was over in Boston at Summit, talking about OpenStack. Yeah, the Red Hat Summit, it seems like uh, so far far away now. And, and you know, the last three months have also seen changes in your life at Red Hat as well. They have indeed. So uh, I'm now the OpenStack field product manager for Red Hat in, uh, in Europe. So uh, I'm responsible for a lot of the OpenStack projects we have going on and uh, working closely with customers as well as... So you've got, uh, basically you've got parole for all the normal stuff that you do and a promotion in the same... same exactly program. right. It's a dream come true, I think. <laughs> okay. Now, your new role is basically doing what? So I'm going to be working closely with customers and our field teams, such as the uh, the sales teams and solution architects, making sure everyone's enabled, they know exactly what OpenStack is, how it all fits together, how uh, it can bring a lot of value to our customers, but also making sure that customers can get the most value out of OpenStack itself. So they know exactly how to deploy it and where it fits into their uh, architecture and infrastructure plans. I was at GigaOM Structure in London last week and OpenStack was everywhere. But there's still this lack of cohesiveness about the whole what does OpenStack actually mean to me as an organization how do we embrace it we can download and play with it but what what is actually OpenStack you know and how do companies start thinking about well is it public cloud is it private cloud is it replacement for my Hyper-V or replacement for my ESX and how do they go about trying to work with an organization to do that so talk to me right so I mean from from the ground up OpenStack is a set of building blocks and components that allow you to establish um, a cloud. Now, this cloud can mimic some form of public cloud infrastructure, the likes you might want to get from, say, Amazon or, or Rackspace, but it allows you to use those building blocks and build a cloud internally. Now, some of the particular use cases you might find that would be great for OpenStack is just standing up some form of um, internal cloud where your customers can gain access to resources mm. and scale them up and have charge back based on what their usage is. But we also see another type of uh, use case emerging. And this is really where I think OpenStack represents a major paradigm shift in the way that applications are being written and deployed. Mm-hmm. You look at the, the Netflix of the world, you see that if they want to add more capacity, then they just need to add more nodes. It's all about the new age applications, the ones that are scale out, fault tolerant, rather than requiring underlying technologies such as high availability and DRS to make sure that um, their virtual machines are being stood up. So OpenStack really represents that platform, the ability to create a a very, very scalable, very fault-tolerant application for the new world. So for a lot of these companies who've already gone out and invested in the virtualization tier, not necessarily time to start tearing that down right now. No, I completely agree with you. I think the enterprise virtualization platforms are certainly here to stay for the long term. Um, I think that eventually applications will start to move over to these new type of cloud-like enabled workloads. Uh, and I think OpenStack is a great place to start for that, you know, completely open source. And uh, with some of the biggest vendors out there really setting their strategies on contributing and uh, providing support for, for OpenStack. When we were over at Boston Summit, it was the first time really uh, in Summit history where there were OpenStack compliant vendors, the likes of Mirantis there, in force. Yeah, exactly. And we see we see extra sort of vendors coming along all the time wanting to add extra value to OpenStack. I think we at Red Hat, we're focused on some of the, the core components and making sure that they are stable and supportable and ready for the enterprise. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the additional value does come from, from third party vendors and the relationship that, relationships that we build with these vendors. 
um, for the likes of provisioning and patching, configuration and deployment and monitoring, mm-hmm. some of the additional things that uh, will bring a lot of value and really make OpenStack seem like a viable platform for the future. So there are two specific ecosystems. You have the community ecosystem for upstream, but you also have a vendor ecosystem starting to emerge already. Precisely. So um, I believe we mentioned it in a previous podcast with uh, myself and Perry Myers. Mm. Um, we were talking about the RDO community. So uh, for those of you that are unaware, RDO is the upstream community for the Red Hat OpenStack distribution that we supported uh, at Red Hat. And this is sort of a community-led project in which we really follow the bleeding edge OpenStack source code, provide Red Hat-based packages um, and community support for that platform. And we're really seeing this community explode. Um, you look at the the ways that we're providing community support in terms of forums, IRC support, um, and the, the numbers of people are really getting interested in this and actually having a Red Hat-based alternative mm-hmm. for OpenStack is, is is really interesting. Earlier on this month, of course, there was the install weekend or the install day. That it was the 10th or the 11th earlier on this month. How did that go? Um, from what I can see, uh, I mean, I've had great feedback about that. Um, actually having a, a place in which you can gain valuable insight on how to install this, how to, to you know, get around some of the common problems and, and debugging certain issues, mm-hmm. I think it was a great, uh, great community event. And also interlacing that with Milestone 3 for Havana as well as part of the upstream, really important because you can get to see stuff that's broken or stuff that isn't necessarily well documented. Exactly right. And I think you know having two different streams that we currently have, we have this, this sort of stable Grizzly sort of version that we have. And then for those that want to test and um, develop with the latest versions, actually having versions that deploy directly on top of Red Hat-based platform is, uh, is a great place to start. There's been a couple of analyst articles recently which have really sort of pulled, not necessarily pulled scorn, but certainly been quite confused about what Red Hat stance is around Red Hat OpenStack. I mean, Red Hat OpenStack essentially is a supported flavor of OpenStack for Mm -hmm. those enterprise companies who are used to the fact that they've been using us for enterprise Linux for the last decade. Sure. You know, it's not rocket science by any stretch of the imagination, while RDO at least allows us to keep the upstream goodness in a way that people can consume it in an easy manner without having to just go and download a tarball. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I mean, it comes as no surprise um, where, where OpenStack sort of came from. A lot of code was originally developed for uh, Ubuntu-based platforms. And um, when it comes to the enterprise, a lot of our customers, they're interested in OpenStack. And I think with us providing RDO as an on-ramp to um, individuals and organizations that may want to test out OpenStack and test OpenStack that will work directly on top of their existing common platform where they've already got a lot of experience with Mm -hmm. um, adds a lot of value to what we're doing with Red Hat OpenStack because then they've got the path in which they may want to decide to deploy in some form of production environment. Mm -hmm. They can do so with, uh, with Red Hat OpenStack. Now, we've got a lot of people within Red Hat and the engineering team who are very, very closely involved and passionate about OpenStack. You've got the Russell Bryans of this world, the Steve Hardys, the Mark McLaughlin's, et cetera, et cetera. They seem to be growing the number of commits on a weekly basis. These guys are, you know, they're proving their worth by adding these components. What have Red Hat actually brought to the table as part of OpenStack as we move forward? I think that Red Hat brings a lot to OpenStack that uh, is really sort of needed. Uh, OpenStack for the past few years has really been a community-led project. Um, there was sort of limited support. It was all about community. And, and you know, I'm a, one of the world's biggest open source advocates, uh, and that's great. But for an enterprise, what they really need is supportability. They need a life cycle. They need a, a sort of... 
um, support framework for when they want to deploy these um, these projects into into their corporate environments. And we can leverage everything that we've built with Red Hat Enterprise Linux underneath, such as the hypervisor, the other the other different layers that we use um, in the links in with our other products to really add a lot of value and, uh, and benefit. And KVM is still the hypervisor of choice for most OpenStack aficionados. Absolutely right. It's it's embedded in with uh, well, it's it's an option, but it's certainly the number one option for deploying uh, OpenStack based clouds today. VMware must be nervous. Um, <laughs> yes. I'm not sure how to comment on that, but um, certainly I think that um, it, with a lot of the big industry vendors out there getting on board with OpenStack, I think it shows that there's certainly some concern. And I think that uh, they know they have to be involved with OpenStack in some way, shape, or form for them to stay, uh, for them to potentially stay relevant in the future. I think we can probably make a statement when we say that, you know, as much as being able to get under the hood with Linux back in the day, the fact that the source, source code was there, the source code and the community are there for OpenStack in the same way. You can actually get to grips with what cloud actually is. Yeah, the community behind OpenStack is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I've been following OpenStack and uh, the community for, for a number of years and just seeing the numbers growing, um, people who are involved, people who are interested, the organizations and the customers that we speak to that, that really want to be on board, they want to get involved and even contribute back so if OpenStack doesn't necessarily have something that uh, a particular customer wants today, it's just so easy for them to come on board, look at the code, make additions, and you know, joining up with a, a vendor such as Red Hat, we can help drive that um, into the community and make sure it uh, ends up in the, in the project. And with the OpenStack Foundation, it, it really does work. Egos are checked in at the door. People are just rolling their sleeves up and getting on with it. And I, I, I really have my doubts when the OpenStack Foundation kicked off. I thought people were just racking up, basically, you know, in order to say HP would have a say, Red Hat would have a say, NASA would have a say, whoever. But it's not. No, it seems to be very vendor agnostic. It's They're actually wanting to push the project in the right direction and make sure that uh, the best interests of the community are kept uh, as a number one priority. When VMware bought Incetra with regards to software development networking, you know, software-defined networking, um, how did you feel when you thought, well, you know, the world's changing. We're going from having hardware-based switches to having, you know, virtual switches. Mm-hmm. It's a complete paradigm shift, isn't it? It is absolutely right. And, and handing over some of the control of the networking topology to the end users and the tenants um, of of a particular cloud, I think, is extremely powerful. Removes a lot of overhead from the administrator's point of view, and I think it's definitely the way that. Uh, the world needs to go. But the, when they when they acquired them, I couldn't quite understand it because they'd already open sourced a lot of this stuff into OpenStack. The, the code was already there. And it just seems that Quantum and other projects around SDN, they're really starting to run at 200 miles an hour. And we're starting to see the benefit of those upstream in Havana, but also as OpenStack moves forward. And a lot of the projects that Red Hat involved with, Heat, Solometer, Keystone, et cetera, et cetera, it, it's allowing... The OpenStack community to get the best experience from a vendor such as Red Hat, a vendor such as HP, a vendor such as Canonical, in order for them to embrace cloud. And that's not really been done before. It's almost like VMware is the last proprietary technology in the data center. Now it's open. You can see what's going on. There's no secrets. But more than that, the ability for you to understand what you're doing with your own cloud and your own ambition, that's huge. Completely agree with you. Okay. Storage. Talk to me about storage. So, um... When we talk about storage with OpenStack, I think storage is uh, certainly an essential component, uh, one way, shape, or form. Um, we have at, uh, at Red Hat a, a, 
a product, sorry, a product called Red Hat Storage based on the Gluster file system, which is the upstream uh, project. Now, we've been integrating this with uh, Red Hat OpenStack for the past few months. Mm -hmm. So um, there's a number of different ways that an OpenStack environment can use storage. And we really want to be plugging into all of them, providing you with a single platform that is completely replicated, can plug into Swift um, for your object store, can backup and replicate all of your images in Glance, can provide um, an, an area for Nova ephemeral storage to be running on and you know, it can help enable things like live migration. Mm -hmm. And you can also provision uh, persistent storage via Cinder. So we have drivers and the ability to plug in Red Hat storage via the Gluster file system driver. Um, throughout all of these various different technologies. And, and that's, tr that's transparent. It is, works. absolutely, yeah, yeah. And I think that's completely powerful. We've, I mean, Seth have made massive uh, steps with the OpenStack community, but this is the first time Cluster's really had a block storage solution, isn't it? It is, yeah, and I, I think actually having <coughs> that, that deep integration um, with, uh, with Red OpenStack and actually having a supported stack from a single vendor um, adds a lot of value as well. Okay. Reese, it's been great having you on the podcast. Thanks very much for taking the time to do it and congratulations on your new role. Thank you very much and thanks for having me.